You know, I was just sitting there thinking, we haven't had a dud as an intern in several years. <laughs> I'm not saying we've never had one. But I, I think about Colin, I think about uh, Katie, and now Kayla. And Kayla wrote that song. That is her song. Amen. Is that right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. Mm. Tremendous. Turn, if you would, to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I know some of you thought we're in Romans. We'll get to Romans one of these days. We're still pushing 30 souls in 30 days. We've still got two more days left. We had six saved at children's camp this week, and I think we're probably halfway, a little over halfway there. Remember that the goal is not necessarily to have X numbers saved. The goal is to try to get each one of us to start talking about Jesus, to share Jesus with those all around us who so desperately need it. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 9. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy, inspired, inerrant, all-sufficient word. 2 Timothy 4, 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark, bring him with thee. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Then look down at verse 21. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Uh, Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. Father, thank you today how we've been blessed. Lord, we're reminded once again that even though salvation is free for each one of us, it costs you your life. It costs you your blood. We praise you this morning that the blood was shed on Calvary for our sins. We praise you this morning that we have an opportunity to be saved and to be completely debt-free. We thank you this morning. We have an opportunity to just watch and wait. Work until you come again for us, and there will be forevermore with you. We praise you. If there's someone here today, oh God, would you, would you touch their hearts and speak to them through your Holy Spirit? In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to think this morning just for a few moments about one day too late, or don't wait too late. I don't know about you. I'm one of the world's greatest procrastinators outside of my son. I think he probably tops me, but uh, I, I definitely, that's one of my things all through life. Proverbs 20 verse six says, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. I read the story of the first grade teacher that was talking about how to help at home. And she asked all the students, would you share with us what you do to help at home? One little girl said, well, I wash the dishes. The little boy said, I, I take out the trash. And another one said, well, I uh, feed the dog. And everybody in school had gone around in that whole class except one little boy. The teacher looked at Johnny and said, Johnny, do you do anything to help your family at home? And Johnny looked up and said, yes, ma'am. I stay out of the way. <laughs> I want to tell you this morning, 
whether you're saved or not, many people today have that attitude of just stay out of the way. Just don't get involved in anything. Come and sit every Sunday. It's easy to get used to it. It's easy to just kind of take it all for granted, get in a rut, get in a routine, get a little lazy. It's good to have revivals and all to shake us up. That's what awesome August is about. We've got three guys, and I've told all three of them and talked with them, your, your, your goal is to shake us up. Shake us up. Get us ready. We, we, when you have conferences and revival, it, it literally shakes us up, and then it wakes us up, and then it stirs us up. That's what it's all about. Something happens when the breath of God breathes fresh on a congregation that's washed in the blood, that's filled with God's spirit, that's gifted with God's grace, and that's part of God's church. When the Holy Spirit sweeps down, something good is going to happen. Every one of us need revival. Every one of us need a fresh touch, a fresh wind. Let me just challenge you, don't wait too late. Don't wait too late. That's the message that you have here in 2 Timothy chapter 4. You got an old preacher, and that's Paul talking to a young preacher who he had mentored, that's Timothy, and Paul is about to die. He's not about to die from old age. He's in a Roman cell, and he knows that he's fixing to lose his head. He's going to be executed, and uh, he's waiting for his head to be cut off, and he writes to this young preacher boy, the one whom he had mentored, and he said, listen, I need you to come. I need to see you before uh, I die. Now, the big problem here is Timothy is a thousand miles away. He's pastoring a church in Ephesus, which means he's got to cross the Mediterranean Sea to get to where Paul is in Rome. He's a thousand miles away. And in verse 21, Paul says, do diligence or do your best to come before winter. Winter was the rainy season. Winter was the, uh, the ships would be docked and then the uh, uh, water would be frozen over. Paul knew all of that very well. He'd been shipwrecked in Acts 27. So he said, do your diligence to come before winter. If you don't get here before winter, you're going to have to wait to spring. And if you wait to spring, I won't be here. I'll be in heaven by then. So Paul is saying, don't wait too late. This letter was written 2,000 years ago, but I believe with all my heart, it's just meant for some of us in this room today. Don't wait too late. Don't wait too late to get saved. Don't wait too late to miss the rapture. Don't wait too late to miss the trumpet of God. Don't wait too late or you'll miss heaven and hit hell. Don't wait too late. We need to get busy now. We need to get ready now. We need to get obedient now. You don't wait too late to become the spiritual leader in your home. There are three different people I just want to share with this morning, and we'll be through. Number one, to the child of God. To those who are in this place today and you're saved, you knew and you know without a shadow of a doubt that if the Lord comes right now for you, you're going to exit this place and you're going to go be with him for glory. To those who know that, don't wait too late to start serving the Lord. There's work to be done. He said in verse 9, he said, do thy diligence to come quickly or shortly. In other words, when you look that up in the Greek, what he's saying is, run it wide open. I like that. Run it wide open. I don't want to go into heaven staggering. I want to go into heaven with a sprint. 
Wendy Bagwell tells a story, and you've heard, there's different stories around. You, we heard the squirrel story at the start of the summer. That's a wonderful. But old Wendy Bagwell is probably my favorite uh, storyteller out of everybody. And he tells the story, and some of you have heard it before, <clears throat> of the blind family that was singing in the old country church. And uh, the place was packed. There wasn't any aisles anywhere. There's a little spot down front. Well, those blind people had three German police CNI dogs. And they put them three dogs right down there in front. And the pastor kind of got nervous. And he went and he said, look, man, uh, you know, those three dogs, they're, you know, they're right down here in front. He said, let me tell you something, sir. Those dogs are highly trained. They will not move. They'll sit here and starve to death before they get up and move. They will not do a thing until I say do it. So the pastor said, okay, I'll be all right with that. Well, they got to singing, them old blind folk. And, man, they sang them songs that rip your heart out. Amen. I mean, you just tears flowing. And all of a sudden, nobody even noticed that big old yellow cat walking down the center aisle of that church. <laughs> You know what them three German police C&I dogs did? They forgot. <laughs> they jumped up and they run after that cat. You thought that old cat would have turned around and went right back out the back door. He didn't. He was under these pews, German shepherd police dogs under there, cats under there and everything else. And then it went in on this side, this side over here saying glory, hallelujah. And this side over here saying, Lord, help me, Jesus. And all them blind people could think was they done took this job too quick, too cheap. <laughs> now that'll shake a church up. I, I almost went and looked for a yellow cat this morning. <laughs> I really did. <laughs> but you know what else will shake a church up? When the Holy Spirit of God breathes fresh on it. That's the best shaking there is. Uh, serving the Lord is the priority of Christian life. Now, let me say that again because some of you didn't understand that. See, if you're saved this morning by the blood of Jesus Christ, serving the Lord is your priority in Christian life. That's what your priority is. The Bible says in verse 10, Demas has forsaken me. Why? Because he loved this present world, and he's departed. Philemon 1.24 said, Paul called him a, federal, uh, a fellow laborer. In uh, Philemon is where Paul called him a laborer. In Colossians, he assisted on missionary journeys. In other words, what he's saying here is uh, Demas was one of us. Demas was faithful in the church, but he's forsaken. Now the laborer has left the building because he's loved the world more than he's loved God. When we were growing up, our family and the Seagull family and the Knox family all out there in the woods, all of us uh, had godly parents and we all were in church. It was a normal thing to, to play church. We'd get out in them woods and we'd play church and somebody'd be the preacher, somebody'd be the music director. We'd get in a squabble and the church would split and some of them would go over here, some of them would go over here. You know what I'm talking about, yeah? <laughs> Well, I, I, I want to tell you, there's a lot of adults still playing church today. 
Now you listen to me. I'm not here to hammer you this morning. I'm here to tell you I love you. And I don't want you to wait too late. I don't want you to wait too late. Some of you come when it's convenient. Some of you serve when it fits your social calendar. And, I, you know, I, I'm telling you, in this church I'm looking at right here, we've got men who would pay to coach Little League baseball or football. But you couldn't pay them to teach a children's Sunday school class. In this church right here, we've got people who will break their back to work in a concession stand for their kids, but you couldn't get them to help in the church kitchen for nothing. We've got people in this place right here that arrange their schedules to meet any need they have, but would never come to a revival service. We've got folk right here who will send uh, your kid to any kind of camp there is. You, they, you'd break the bank for you, but uh, you're not going to send them to student camp. I didn't come to anger you this morning. I've just come here to remind you that our investments are not in this world. Our investments are laid up in heaven. And one day we'll stand before Christ and, and, and we'll realize that some of us have given our all, our passion, and our time, and our thrills, and our energy to things that don't last. Make serving God a priority. Do it before it's too late. Take that class. Join the choir. Work in youth or children. Quit running from God. Do the job somebody asks you to do. For a child of God, serving the Lord ought to be a priority. I, uh, I have any number of illustrations. And I don't, man, I know I'm walking on soft ground here. I just want to remind you, though, I, I'm not here to hammer you. I'm here just to love you and to say, don't wait too late. There's a story that Amy tells, a true story across the country. She was raised in a Christian home. Her daddy was a deacon. Mother sang in the choir. She said, about nine years old, I started playing soccer and realized I was good. And I got on an elite team. There were times, she said, we were gone for months at a time from our church. They had chapel over there, so everything was great, but soon they didn't go to that. It became so expensive that Daddy stayed home and Mama went, and she ended up having an affair with another man. The marriage ended in divorce. They don't go to church today. They live in separate parts of the country. And she said, I was good enough to get a scholarship. That's what all this stuff's about, to get a scholarship. She said, I was good enough to get a scholarship. And in college, she said, everything broke loose. I, I drank and I did drugs. I was running around. She said, when I was a junior, I was in a terrible automobile accident, almost died. She said, if I'd have died, I'd have gone to hell. She said, the next year in my college, I was in a student ministry, a college ministry, and I got saved. Now she said, I'm fired up. I'm going to seminary. I'm going to go in the ministry. And she said this, wherever you preach this, please remind people to keep Jesus first. I'm not telling you don't do this. I'm telling you, you figure out a way that whatever you do, you make sure Jesus is first. 
she goes on to say, I lost student trips. I lost choir trips. I lost chances to be with students at church. I lost my family. I lost almost my life. My parents lost their marriage because we put a soccer ball in front of Jesus. I love soccer. I lo it's an action game. I love all of it. I'm not telling you don't do it. Listen to me. I'm not trying to make you ticked off or angry. I'm telling you in your life, remember what is important. Serving God for a child of God ought to be the priority of our life. Nothing stands in the way. But then secondly, serving the Lord is not only the priority of the Christian life, it's the privilege of the Christian life. Mark said in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Get, get Mark because he's useful. He's profitable. Over a hundred names in the epistles that Paul writes, over a hundred names are in those letters. A hundred. More than a hundred. Now, most of them are behind the scenes. You don't hear about them. You don't even know their names. They're, 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 but they're using their gifts for the kingdom of God. See, in the modern-day church today, I'm afraid sometimes we come to be entertained. We come to see what we can get. And we think, well, if I can't sing like Kayla sings, I'm just not going to sing at all. If I can't preach like I'm not going to, if I can't teach like a certain person, if I'm not in the spotlight, it's not important. That's not true. Every member of this church is important to the kingdom of God. God has saved you, and he has gifted you with some gift. And some of you more than one, but at least one gift. You ought to be serving God. You've heard this story before. Everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There's an important job to be done. Everybody's sure somebody do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that somebody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Folk, I'm just telling you, get with God and find out. We're getting ready to start a new fall season here. I believe it's going to be the greatest season this church has ever had in its history. I believe that. We need every one of you. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Listen to me. The, the word minister here is a Latin word servant. When you're a true servant of the Lord, it don't matter if you get a microphone or not. If you're a true servant of the Lord, your name don't have to be in the bulletin. It can or cannot be. Now listen to this. This is rich. It's not me. I've I, I copied it from somebody. I don't know who. You'll give an account one day. Amen. Does everybody agree with that? Now listen to what he says. It won't be for being the best. It'll be for doing the best. See, God's not called you to do something he's not equipped you to do. So if you're not the best singer, don't worry about it. You're not going to be judged for being the best. You're going to be judged for doing the best. Doing the best you can. In our ministry here, there are folks who turn on a microphone, makes others sound good. Some 
in this church here, you have to have a college degree to turn on the blame sound system. We, we don't even know how to turn it on. There's only a couple of, if you have a funeral here, we have the lights set a certain way because if they get unset, man, we're blowed up. Nobody even knows how to make all these things work. Some publicly play an instrument, but some privately are an instrument. Some collect money, some cook food, some greeting folks with a smile, some loving seniors, some leading students. Some changing diapers, some cranking a bus, some working on the praise team. But oh, how we need a plumber and deacons. And we could go on and on and on and on. You're important to the work of God. Every position. It's a privilege to be in the army of God. It's a privilege to serve the one who died on Calvary for our sins. Let me give you the second thing. Don't wait too late, Christian. If you're here and you know you're saved, don't wait too late to start serving the Lord. Second thing, now, let me just, make sure that God has told you to serve where you want to serve, okay? God bless us, you know, if you can't sing, don't get up here on Sunday morning and try to sing. Just don't do it. I mean, there, there are folks in this church that can sing that just bring the house down. And then there are others of us, if we sang, would run the house out. Don't, don't try to do something God has not equipped you to do. Find what God wants you to do and then do it the very best you can. The second group of people, though, is somebody in this place today needs to share your love before it's too late. Serve the Lord, share your love. Look at verse 13. He said, the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee. And the books, but especially the parchments. He, he uses that word bring or bear or carry. And literally, when you go back and do some research, he's talking about... Paul is asking Timothy to make a sacrifice, to go out of his way to make a sacrifice. <laughs> Man, I tell you, I could give you all kinds of experiences of kids and grandkids who don't know how to share. I mean, I've got some grandkids that uh, if one of them has this toy, nobody's played with it all day. My soul, we took a uh, a kitchen thing out and set it in the front yard and they had nobody played with it in three months but boy just as soon as we set it out there suddenly everybody wants to play with it and, and, and I want to tell you we need to teach our kids how to share that's hard to do with kids I, I try to get Charlie to uh, uh, to eat his food sometimes and I'll reach over and get a bite of it he may not want it but he don't want me to have it either and sometimes as adults, we go right on into that same thing. It, it, listen, if you want to get things, if you want the blessings of the Lord, invest in the kingdom of God. How do you do that? First of all, by being an encourager. 
He said, bring the cloak. That's a heavy wool blanket. Uh, we don't know when he left it. It may have been too heavy to carry to Rome. He may have just not needed it. It may have been summer and he didn't need it. But Paul says, bring the cloak. It's going to get cold. And Paul is asking Timothy to bring him something that will cover him. Now, that's important. Because every one of us in this building today have the capability to cloak somebody, to cover somebody, to encourage somebody. I saw we get enough discouragement, people looking for everything to complain about. I remember several years ago, well, we wasn't in this building, it was another building. We'd had a tremendous service with an evangelist. I don't remember if we had eight, nine, or ten people saved. I mean, it was just glorious and we went down to Ryan's. It was still in business and, and uh, to take the evangelist to eat. And, and uh, you know, man, this guy came straight at me. Now, you know when a guy comes at you, they always have the same look. They look like they ate something that didn't agree with them. And this guy comes straight at me there. And I'm, we're just rejoicing. My soul, we've been praying the Lord for the souls that were saved. And you know what he said? Did you know that preacher preached 50 minutes today? See, he's more interested in the word 50 than the word 10 that got saved. Be an encouragement there. Listen, the devil is assaulting us. Hell is attacking us. And we don't need to attack one another. Encouragement is missing in the New Testament church today. You've got the power. I've got the power to encourage, to cover to wrap up. We are together as one. If you attend this church and are a member of this church, you ought to defend this church. And if you defend this church, you ought to commend this church. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, wherefore comfort yourselves together, edify one another as you do. Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Can you see Moses as he's getting ready to tell the people uh, that Joshua was fixing to take over? He goes up the mountain in Deuteronomy chapter 38 and he said, listen, quit your griping, quit your murmuring, and would you support and encourage Joshua? Then I think about David. He's slain Goliath and then he's running for his life from the king there. He ran out into the woods. God sent him Jonathan in 1 Samuel 23, 16 and he said, I encourage you with God. And then the Assyrian army camped all around him in 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and, 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 and the the captain says, boys, I encourage you to stay strong. You may not see it, but there's more of us than there are of them. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, all hell breaking loose in Acts chapter 11. He encouraged them in the Lord. When we come to church, we need to encourage. This is not a place to put up walls. It's a place to build bridges. This is not a place to tear down the uh, discord. It's a place to build bridges of unity. It's not a place to tear down the barriers of prejudice, but it's a place to build bridges of acceptance. And not, not a place to build up barriers of judgmentalism, but build bridges of love. Not build barriers of pride, but build bridges of humility. That's what this church is all about. That's what this church is for. That's what any New Testament church is for. God help us when we can't even come to church and not be encouraged. I challenge you to encourage someone today. Maybe it's send them a text. We do that today. Maybe it's right on their Facebook. Maybe it's 
email them. Maybe it's calling them on the phone. Maybe it's sending them a card. But you go to them, encourage them in the Lord. We need to share our love by encouraging people. Second thing, we need to share our love by being an evangelist. Verse 13 says, bring the books, especially the parchments. That's the animal skins. Now, uh, theologians and commentators can't figure out, and we don't know, if he's talking about the parchments that he's already written to churches. But many of them think he's talking about blank uh, uh, parchments that he's going to write to churches. Can you imagine that, did I, did I tell you this boy's in jail? Did I tell you he's just about to lose his head? He's going to be killed? He's not sitting and sulking. He's going to write about the blood. He's going to write about the resurrection. He's going to write and tell people Jesus still saves. Be an evangelist at school when it starts, at work, wherever you are. I'm not telling you to take a three-pound King James Version Bible and thump them on the head with it and say, turn or burn, you pagan. (laughs) What I'm talking about is let others see Jesus in you. Be an evangelist. There's a story of the young demons. Satan had met with them. He said, we need a new plan. And one demon said, I tell you, I got the plan. We'll just tell everybody there is no God. Now that, you know, 10 years ago, that didn't work very good. You could see creation, but people are so crazy now, they can't even understand creation. But he said, that's not good. That's not good. He said, I know, the second one said, I know we'll tell everybody there's no hell. Well, my goodness, as much evil as there is in this world, there, there has to be a hell. Everybody knows that. The third one said, I'll tell them there is a heaven and there is a hell, but you've got plenty of time. Don't get in a hurry. You've got plenty of time. Oh, listen, for the lost person, for the Christian, don't wait too late. Don't wait too late. Let me give you this last group of people, and I'm through. Don't wait too late to serve the Lord. Don't wait too late to share your love. Don't wait too late to be saved, or your soul could be lost. Verse 21, he said, do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, Pudens, Linus, Claudia, and all the brethren. You see... Our lives are set up just like nature is set up. There's a springtime for us. There's a summertime for us. There's a fall time for us. And there's a winter time for us. You see, guys, let's be honest. The, the important thing is not that you're going to die. Everybody knows you're going to die. We're all going to die. The important thing is what follows after death. See, if you die in Christ you inherit eternal life in heaven. If you die outside of Christ, you don't get that. If you die on your way to heaven, you're going to be with the Lord. If you die on your way to hell, you're going to be with Satan. Some of you in this place this morning are in winter. You've enjoyed summer and you've enjoyed spring and you've enjoyed fall. And this is the winter of your life. Now, here's the deal. Nobody knows who's in winter and who's not. 
We don't know. I just encourage you, don't wait too late. Don't miss the boat. You have a season to come to Christ. I tell you, I've got a reservation on the gospel uh, ship. And you say, well, how much does that cost? Not a dime for me. It costs Jesus his blood. We've sang about it this morning. The, the, both, both ladies that sang this morning referenced that. It's through the blood. We're looking for investments. You don't want to miss the boat. Some of you looking for new jobs. You think that's going to help you? And it may. Some of you looking for education. You think that's going to help you? It may. Some of you this morning are looking for the love of your life, and you think that's going to help you. <laughs> it may. What, what is everybody laughing about? <laughs> it may. But whatever you do, listen to me, don't you miss the boat to heaven. Several years ago, Becky and myself, and we called him Dr. C. He was a gynecologist, and we had a team that visited each week, and <clears throat> we had, uh, I'm not really much on cold visits, uh, so we always tried to get visits that at least they had some connection. And this family had been to one of our fall festivals, and we walked up to the door, and we rung the doorbell. The lady came to the door, and I introduced ourselves and everything, said, we're from so-and-so church, and noticed you visited our fall festival with your child and we'd just like to come in see if you got any questions talk a little bit about Jesus see what you know what we might could do to help you and she said she just turned and 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 walked off and we were standing at the door and then in a second she came back I'm sorry I'm sorry come on in and she set us in the living room she said excuse me for just a minute she went to another room and then she came back in there we did a little small talk. We went down the Roman road. She was saved. And after she was saved, she said, I'm so sorry that I, I, I just, my mind was gone. She said, uh, I was talking to my mother in Canada. And the doctor that was with us lived about five miles from where her mother lived. He was from Canada. She said, I was talking to my, daughter, my mother in Canada and I was saying, Mom, I, I just don't understand all there is to know about salvation and making Jesus Savior and Lord. And her mama said this, Honey, I wish I could be down there with you. And she tried to explain it over the phone. She said, I'm going to pray God would send you somebody that can explain that. And she said at that very same moment, the doorbell rang. And uh, she said, I wish you'd stay around. My husband get off work. He needs to be saved. And, and uh, so we stayed there a little while. He, he wouldn't commit. I sent other teams over there. I said, go. Finally, about two months later, we'd been to visit him probably four times. And I told a couple of our guys, I said, y'all have not been. Maybe you can be the one that God can use. Oh, he said, Brother Charles, everybody has been over there. He, he just, he's, he's just not ready. I said, well, just go one more time. They came back that night, and they said, he got saved. He was saved. He said, now, preacher, don't get upset. We know how you are. And I said, what am I going to get upset? The guy got saved. He said, he, said, he is not going to walk down no aisle 
He was about three times bigger than me. I was already wondering how I was going to baptize him. I said, hey, as long as he got saved and y'all are sure of that, that's what counts. Sunday morning, that service, when I got through praying, he was the first one out the aisle. Came down that aisle, wanted to be saved, publicly professed that he had been saved. They left that night. We was rejoicing. They left that night going on vacation. I got a phone call Tuesday morning. He died in his sleep at a hotel room in Conroe. See, you can be in the winter of your life, and you don't even know it. This guy wasn't more than 40 years old. I, I, I don't want to alarm you, but in ways I do want to alarm you. If you're here today without Jesus, I'm telling you, there's a season of time you can be saved. Don't think you're going to waltz down here and be saved whenever you want to be saved. Because the truth is, if the Holy Spirit doesn't draw you, you can't even be saved. I'm pleading with you this morning. Don't wait too late. There was a song came out in my generation, the hippies. Hallelujah. Don't you love the hippies? And it said this, I never thought I'd see the day when you came to kneel and pray. I never thought I'd see the church house filled to capacity. And outside the door, there's more who have never come before. Oh, what a shame that Jesus came one day before. You tried to live the best you could. You, you tried to do the things you should. But when it came to serving God, you said, I still have time to wait. Now it's all turned around. Time for Jesus, now you've found. How sad to think you found the time, but one day too late. And the chorus says, and you came one day too late. Yes, just one day too late. Jesus came and you've been left behind. Yesterday you couldn't find the time for Jesus on your mind. You finally came to call his name. One day too late. I plead with you. If you're a Christian here this morning, don't wait too late to start serving the Lord. If you're saved this morning, don't wait too late to start sharing the love of Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says you've got to admit you're a sinner. And then you've got to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, believe that he died on Calvary, that he was put in a bar of tomb, that he rose on the third day, and he's coming back again. And then confess it with your mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe in thy heart. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 13, thou shalt be saved. Don't wait too late. Father, we praise you this morning for the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, to touch lives, lives that we don't know how much time they've got. Some are young and they think they've got plenty of time. Some are older and they know their time is running out. But, oh God, today, may this be the day that they forget about what somebody says. They forget about anything in this world. And, Lord, they cast their self upon you and they admit they're a sinner and they cannot save themselves. And they come today to receive Christ as Lord.
Bless them now, Lord. Bless this invitation time that you would be honored and glorified. Folks would be saved. These altars would be filled with Christians that are saying, I want to get my heart right, God. I want to serve you. I want to cloak somebody. I want to wrap my arms around somebody and be an encouragement. I can't do that until I get my own life right. Lord, have your way in this place today. Those that may be looking for a church home, God, if this is where you want them, you show them that and let them be obedient. Let your will be done, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me as Brother Aaron leads us this morning? I invite you to come. Christian, would you lead the way? Come right now. Just. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, we haven't had a dud as an intern in several years. <laughs> I'm not saying we've never had one. But I, I think about Colin, I think about uh, Katie, and now Kayla, and Kayla wrote that song. That is her song. Amen? Is that right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, we haven't had a dud as an intern in several years. <laughs> I'm not saying we've never had one. But I, I think about Colin, I think about uh, Katie, and now Kayla, and Kayla wrote that song. That is her song. Amen? Is that right? Yeah. Praise the Lord. <laughs>